Well, I remember as uh, someone who was brought up in the church, how I used to generally think about and experience uh, Good Friday. Well, I definitely knew that that Good Friday was a part of the good news of Jesus, if not one of the most significant um, moments and components of the good news of Jesus. I always kind of lived and experienced as though Good Friday was actually about feeling bad. It's kind of like Good Friday was the day where we sort of pull out the extended checklist of all the bad stuff I'd done or couldn't stop doing and really sort of heaped on the guilt and shame to sort of feel as bad as I could about it in hopes of through that tapping into sort of experiencing and understanding God's forgiveness and favor in some way. Um, It's as though Good Friday was about feeling bad and Good Friday was about guilt and shame. And uh, it started to kind of feel like the only really good thing about Good Friday is that kind of out of that experience, maybe if you could try hard enough uh, over the next year of your life, you could maybe do less bad stuff. But obviously, as you know, days and life and weeks and months and whatever went on, you know, the bad stuff checklist could grow. And even though I I think I tried to practice lots of mini Good Fridays throughout the year, you know, regularly tapping into feeling bad and the guilt and shame, um, as another Good Friday would come around, that bad stuff list could be kind of long. And uh, Good Friday sort of became for me the the epitome or the, the, the apex of the guilt and shame cycle. And I wonder how many of us uh, could relate to that in some way, or maybe even are coming into today's experience with that kind of feeling. Maybe you were even a little bit apprehensive to come or to to participate um, today because maybe you feel like you already carry around a lot of guilt and shame and you, you weren't looking for anything like that to be piled on further. Or ironically, maybe some of you are participating in this Good Friday service and experience um, because you are worried that you would feel guilty if you didn't. And so it's sort of like guilty if you do or guilty if you don't. But here's the thing. I think our propensity, sort of our human condition toward guilt and shame, I think it's actually been around for a long, long time. Um, In just the third chapter of the Bible, in the first book in Genesis, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, this is shortly after, after the description of the creation of the Garden of Eden, uh, when the first humans came to realize that they had done something that probably wasn't best for them, this is how we're told that they sort of reacted and responded. It says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized they were naked, and they hid. Their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked, and they hid. I think like all of us ever since, um, the first humans, when they had a moment of realizing they hadn't lived up to all they could be or should be, their immediate reaction was guilt and shame. It was sort of this instinctual default reaction before any processing of what had actually happened, any pausing to process of what had happened and what to do with it, either internally for themselves or uh, honestly and openly with each other or openly and confessionally with God. The God whom the story says was actually looking for them and longing for them. Because we seem to have this propensity toward shame and guilt to think that we've done too much wrong or there's too much wrong with us or not enough that we have done. And, you know, we bring it on ourselves. We tend to heap it on one another. And sometimes we even think that God wants to pour that on us, maybe 
especially on a day like Good Friday, that we need to feel guilty and bad to try to actually know and experience God's forgiveness and favor. And for too long, that's what I thought Good Friday was about, and maybe you have too. But what I've come to realize is that that perspective of Good Friday couldn't be any further from the truth. And the good news that I want to share with us today is that Good Friday is in fact good. That Good Friday is in fact very good for you and for me because the sacrificial death of Jesus has the purpose and the power to actually rewrite the story of humanity's shame and guilt, to rewrite the story of your shame and guilt. If we fast forward from that origin story found in Genesis to one of the books in the Bible that's actually one of the last ones uh, that was written, it's the good news of Jesus, the biography of Jesus, according to his friend and follower, John, who wrote this near the end of his life. And John, he starts his gospel telling, his gospel story, essentially sort of retelling, rewriting, and reimagining God's creation story in order to set the stage for what had happened and was happening through Jesus. And look at what it says here in John 1, 16 to 17. It says, out of his fullness, out of God's fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. One translation says grace upon grace upon grace. For the law, which the scriptures describe elsewhere, became a source of guilt and shame and even death. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see, John followed Jesus uh, more closely than really anyone else in Jesus' life right to the end. In fact, uh, John is the disciple who's referenced in the crucifixion, crucifixion story we just heard, where Jesus uh, says to him, asks him to sort of adopt his mother and care for his mother after his death. And John, as an ordinary guy, like the rest of Jesus' disciples and every average person who's ever sought to sort of live the best life they could, a good life, John was well acquainted with the religious guilt and shame that came with knowing uh, that none of us live up to our best all of the time. In fact, he mentions that religious law in these verses. These were the rituals and rules that had become an overwhelming burden for God's people and then had become uh, the source of their deepest guilt and shame. And he says, and he starts out this story of telling about the life of Jesus, saying that in Jesus, something different was happening. Something new was happening. Something better was happening. Something good had happened and was happening. And it wasn't just that God was saying something new or different or better through Jesus, but that Jesus, as God's fullest revelation, was going to live and then give his life so that this better reality could be fully accomplished. That's what Jesus meant when he said from the cross, it is finished. He was saying that our cycle of guilt and shame that we had lived with up until that point, that it was finished. He was saying that our fears and our insecurities of not being able to fully live up to religious laws and rituals um, and, and rules, that that was finished. He was saying that uh, your personal cycle of guilt and shame you know, for not always being everything you know you could or should be, that it is finished. 
He was saying that our sense of slavery to other people's expectations and judgments is finished. He was saying that the belief that we need to hide or conceal uh, the parts of ourselves that are most true, maybe even sometimes less than perfect, that we need to hide those from God or from others, that that is finished. And he was saying that our thinking about Good Friday needing to be something that actually feels bad is finished. And then Jesus breathed his last. Not just saying, but sacrificing. And not just declaring, but dying. The God of the universe willing to die so that humanity would know that grace, not guilt, has the last word. The creator of all things subjecting subjecting himself to something as bad and awful as death and death on a cross, as bad as that is, so that he could unmistakably and irreversibly show us the goodness of his grace. What I want you to hear today, and this is kind of the bottom line, is that Jesus' death on the cross means that guilt is finished and grace is flowing. That's what's finished. Guilt and shame cycles are finished, and now grace is flowing freely to all of us, flowing from the outstretched hands of Jesus' loving sacrifice on the cross. Friends, it is finished. Another way uh, the Bible describes um, what Jesus finished, what Jesus accomplished in that moment on the cross was regarding, and this is kind of another way to say what we're talking about this morning, is regarding the, the old covenant God had established uh, with his people in place of the new covenant that Jesus initiated with his disciples. This old covenant was one where people believed they had to sort of perfectly live up to countless rules and regulations in order to experience the favor of God. And like I already mentioned about the law, it ended up simply becoming a source of guilt and shame. But what's interesting about how this old covenant is described in the Old Testament is that it never really seemed like it was God's long-term plan or maybe not God's plan A. Um, Speaking about this covenant, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, who lived and and wrote hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth, he wrote this about that covenant. He said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. This is the covenant I will make with them. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts deep inside. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, It was not only the end of guilt and now the free flow of grace, but as a result of God's grace, it was now the end of our outside-in attempts to just try on our own to be better people, this external sort of self-help approach that creates a cycle of guilt and shame. And now it was the initiation of an inside-out transformation with God's grace as the change agent, making it possible for us to actually become more like Jesus from the inside out, to experience the life of Christ in order to come, become the people we have always been created to be. Jesus' death on the cross uh, finished an old covenant of religious rules and initiated a new covenant of holy hearts, changed hearts by the grace that he unleashed on the cross. And this new covenant, it was what Jesus spoke of when he shared his final meal with his disciples on the night before he was crucified. 
They were sitting around the table. They had eaten a celebration meal together and he had the bread and the wine in front of him. And then speaking particularly about the cup of wine in Luke 22 verse 20, it's recorded as him saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. This cup represents my life poured out for you and the grace that will be poured into you as a result. Friends, I wonder if some of us are desperate for a new experience of Good Friday. I wonder if some of us are desperate for an experience of a new kind of covenant, a new understanding of life, a new understanding of faith, a new understanding and experience of life with God and each other. And I suspect that maybe some of us have come into today with a giant bag of guilt weighing us down or a shame cycle that's playing on repeat in our heads. Friends, Jesus wants to tell you it is finished. That stuff is finished. Jesus wants to tell you that the old ways of guilt and shame are done and that the new covenant of grace is here. That is what Good Friday means. And Jesus, in the goodness of Good Friday, doesn't just want to tell us. Jesus wants to show us with his arms stretched wide and his body broken and his blood shed for you and for me and for the sake of the whole world so that none of us would any longer be driven by guilt, but so that we would be fully and finally delivered by his grace. We're now free to walk in this new way, in this new covenant with a changed heart, a holy heart, and a true and unwavering confidence in the goodness of his grace and all he has done. This is what we celebrate on Good Friday. And this is what we essentially receive in an experience like this on Good Friday. This is what makes Good Friday so ridiculously good. And it's this grace that we want to remember and encounter and receive together through the communion experience, through the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, it's our sharing in uh, that first meal of the new covenant that Jesus initiated with his followers. It's the bread and the juice that represents uh, Jesus' body and blood that was given for us and given for grace. And communion is such a beautiful experience because it gives us this tangible reminder uh, to help us know and remember that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was very tangible and real and physical. But also that the, the implications, that what Jesus accomplished, what Jesus finished on the cross is just as real for us. That the, the grace that now can sort of flow through our veins is as real as the taste and the nourishment of the bread and the juice. It's not just an idea. It's not just wishful thinking. It's something that we can experience miraculously and mystically deep within because of what Jesus has accomplished. As a community, I know uh, we're really excited for this moment, especially uh, in our locations where we're going to get to sort of come forward and re receive communion together in a fashion uh, that we haven't been able to for far too long. You'll have a chance to receive the bread and the juice, or if you're at home, if you haven't already uh, found a piece of bread or a cracker uh, or juice and water, coffee, something like that, some elements that you can uh, participate in to receive this, uh, we're going to have a chance to do that. And please know that in this community, participating in the Lord's Supper and communion, it is as wide open an invitation as Jesus' arms spread wide on the cross. But I want to say, if you're still kind of in this moment, or anticipating moments where you will continue to struggle 
with guilt and shame uh, because of our propensity to do that. Um, If the guilt that you're carrying feels like this million pound weight on your shoulders crushing you, um, or if that shame cycle feels like it just plays so often like a broken record, scratching and repeating in the back of your mind something about not being good enough or having done too much or having not done enough, I want us to really take advantage of this moment of communion on this Good Friday to know that it is finished. All of that is finished. Guilt is finished and grace is flowing. I want to invite you to encounter Jesus in this simple meal, the bread and the juice, receiving the new covenant of God's grace in your life. Let this be a moment as you come forward or as you participate from wherever you are of essentially trading your guilt for God's grace and knowing it's as real as the bread and juice that represents Jesus' sacrifice for us. I'll say too that if any of us aren't sure about participating in this kind of experience, uh, whether at home or in any of our locations, whether you're just not sure out of some of your own personal reasons or questions or spiritual reasons, uh, or maybe you're not sure out of uh, some, some COVID caution and safety, first of all, know that that's okay. And know that God's grace, because of what Jesus has done for us on Good Friday, is as freely flowing to you as it is flowing to all of us. So now as we prepare to participate in this experience, as we prepare to receive communion together as a faith community for the first time in this way in far too long, and maybe realizing the true goodness of grace and the goodness of Good Friday for the maybe the first time ever or first time in far too long, let me read this invitation to us, this blessing to us. It says, this is the table, the bread and the juice that we're about to receive, not of the church, not something that, that we can do, but of the Lord, of Jesus. It is his table of grace, and it is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. Maybe it's your first time. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Who of us hasn't? Come because it is the Lord's will and it is the Lord's grace that those who want him shall meet him here. It's the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Let's receive communion as we hear this next song.